In the second reading, St. James told us to be patient as we wait for the Lord, much like the farmer tending his crops in the field. He can't just put the seed in the soil and expect there to be a harvest the next day. Uh, It's a struggle that takes months. It requires patience, perseverance, and effort to see that that seed will come to its harvest. Uh, But we have trouble being patient, especially this time of year when it seems there is so much to do and so little time with which to do it, and other people are just in our way, whether it's uh, cutting us off on the expressway, cutting in line at the bank or the grocery store. Everybody is in a hurry to get somewhere, and everybody's impatient with everybody else, and it always helps us to understand the roots of our language. Patience in English comes from patior in Latin, which means suffering. That certainly explains the plight of those at Henry Ford Health across town. They're not just there because they enjoy being poked with needles and kept up all night with having their vitals checked. It's because they are suffering that they are there. And our patience often causes us suffering. But far better for us to endure the pain of suffering than to cause pain for others by our impatience. And that's where most of us have a struggle. James is telling us to be patient with God, but the hidden truth is that God has been more than patient with us. He is the reason why anything and anyone exists, and he stains everything and everyone in being. And he has been impatient with us because we tend to trip in the same puddles and potholes over and over again. But God continues to love us. God continues to forgive us. He will always overlook our faults and failings. The only thing he hopes in return is that we might be patient with him as we await his coming and that we might be patient with others, overlooking the faults and failings of those who wrong us the way he has chosen to overlook our own. All the prophets before the coming of the Christ, they had to be patient. They were giving an exciting message that God heard Israel's prayers. God was sending his son as a savior, but they were not told when. Little could Isaiah have known when he spoke beautiful things like the first reading today, that he would die before it was fulfilled, that everybody listening to him would die before that message came to fulfillment. But it was a spark of hope for a people living under oppression and despair, and it would sustain them through the centuries until the coming of the Christ, that even though they were so many times invaded by foreign armies, watched their temples destroyed, their cities ransacked, their lives and livelihoods put at risk, the men carried off as slaves, the people sent into exile. The idea that one day their descendants would experience the coming of the Christ, that freed them from fear, that filled them with faith and helped them to be patient and to endure their crosses, whatever suffering, knowing that eventually it would pay off in the long run as God would send his son to open heaven's gate and allow even the dead to pass through. Isaiah and his descendants waited the better part of a thousand years for the first coming of the Christ. They had to be patient, and our patience has been tested as well. Christians now waiting more than 2,000 years for Christ's triumphant return and glory as our King. Those first Christians, when he ascended into heaven, thought he was coming right back, and we're still waiting. But are we still preparing? That is testing our patience. Perhaps John the Baptist felt that his patience being tested in the gospel today, he knows that he is running out of time. He is already in jail. He knows that he is going to be put to death. He has to make sure that once he is gone, that the message of repentance and preaching the coming of God's kingdom will be carried on by his cousin Jesus. And that's why he sends disciples to say to Jesus, are you the one? 
Are you the one we've been waiting for and praying for? Should we be looking for somebody else? John has waited his whole life for this. If we recall, he's been waiting even before he was born for Jesus to live up to the expectations attached to his name. At the scene of the visitation in the first chapter of Luke, when Mary goes to the hill country to greet Elizabeth, both women miraculously pregnant, Mary because she's too young, Elizabeth because she's too old, Mary because she's never been with a man, Elizabeth because she and her husband were unable to have children. In that scene, the unborn John the Baptist leapt for joy in his mother's womb because he knew he was in the presence of the Christ. John then waited more than 30 years for Jesus to reveal himself to people as the Messiah and to show them his capabilities, his mighty deeds. But when they each reached their third decade of life, still John is waiting and Jesus is letting John do all the preaching, letting John do all the teaching. Even after John baptized Jesus, he thought, surely now he's ready to go. But instead, another delay. As Jesus was led by the Spirit for six weeks into the desert, once again, no teaching, no preaching, no healing. And now, even though their message was the same, repent, believe in the gospel, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, John has dared to speak the truth to power, and he's going to pay a heavy price for it. That's why he's in jail. As he was telling everyone to be convicted of their sins and do penance for them, he even told the king, Herod the Tetrarch, you are in an unlawful marriage. This is not Herod the Great who was trying to kill Jesus as a baby. This is his son. And even though he was only a puppet king with very little authority because they were still in occupied Roman territory, Herod thought it's good to be king because I can have whatever I want when I want it. He didn't have to be patient for anything. And that's why when he coveted, not his neighbor's wife, but the wife of his own brother, an offense to the ninth commandment, he said to Philip, who was still very much alive, I love your wife more than I love you, brother, and I'm taking her. And he did. And even gave her a new name so they would be a matching set, Herod and Herodias. John the Baptist comes on the scene to tell the king and his new queen, you've offended against God and his commandments. You're giving bad example to the people. You two should not be together. Herod was upset. Herodias was infuriated at the implication. And that is why John's now in the jail. That is why soon he will be dead. And that is why he wants to make sure, he wants to make sure that he put his faith in the right cousin, that Jesus is indeed the Christ, that he will indeed set people free. That will make it braver for him to be able to face his death, knowing that soon his cousin will open heaven's gate and he'll have the opportunity to live again and forever. And in answer to that question, are you the one? Jesus quotes today's first reading. And John the Baptist would have known it well. He'd studied it closely all throughout his life, waiting for those words to come true. And Jesus tells him, go, explain to my cousin John the Baptist, the blind can see, the deaf can hear, the mute can speak, the lame leap like a stag. All the things that Isaiah prophesied would be the works of the Messiah. But then he took it further. Tell him I cleanse lepers. Tell him I proclaim good news to the poor. Tell him the dead have been raised. Jesus exceeds John the Baptist's expectations. Jesus exceeds Isaiah's expectations. He truly is a Messiah unlike any other. And so for those who are willing to be patient and wait for the Lord, the Lord didn't just answer their prayers. He went overboard and sent someone that did even mightier deeds than they were taught to expect and look for. That's what the Lord can do for us when we wait and hope on the Lord this Advent season. 
we do need salvation from sin and from death and from this world that is so hostile to the gospel. And the Lord will do more than that. He will win our souls, our bodies, our sins. All of those will be redeemed. One day these bodies shall be risen. One day and forever all of us can be with him in the Father's house. And so then we must continue to wait on the Lord and be patient with him because he has been more than patient with us. And now I would like to invite our catechumens and candidates from the RSA to come forward for their dismissal.